Amen. Well, we're just going to get right into the Word this morning. And um, if you open your Bibles, we're going to be looking this morning. Um, our main scripture this morning is going to be in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We're talking about what makes a winning church. And we talked about a winning church is one that is missional. It's one that is relevant. We, we seek to relate to our culture. We do not change the message. We change our methods. The methods change. The message never changes. The, meth- the message is timeless, and it is for all eternity. But we do change um, how we're communicating and how we're relating to people around us. We, we seek to love people where they are. And um, we seek to find them where they are and bring them into Christ's kingdom. And it is also, most importantly, it is spirit sensitive. We're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. We need the Holy Spirit. The bottom line is, guys, the, a winning church is a soul winning church. When we're saying winning, you're soul winning. That's what a winning church is. And we're looking at some practical ways. I'm kind of focusing right now on being a soul winning church. And we're going to look at some practical things today to, to be missional. How do I do this? Jesus said our goal is to make disciples of all nations, and that's just too big for me to do. I cannot go into all the world and preach the gospel. You can't go into all the world and preach the gospel because that was the assignment for the church as a whole. I'm responsible for my sphere of influence. I'm responsible for people that are in my circle. Who are those people? The people closest to me. Jesus said when he left the earth, go into Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It started right in Jerusalem. Starts right with my circle of influence. I am primarily responsible for these people, for those people that are my family, my immediate family. Myself, first of all, right? I have to make sure I'm right with God. Number one, I can't do, I can't do my kids. I can't do my family, but I can do me. I can make sure I'm right with God. That's my primary responsibility. And then after that is my family, my immediate family, and my, my relatives, my close friends, my neighbors, business associates, people I work with, um, all those kind of people I'm around and rubbing shoulders with. That's my immediate circle of influence. That's your immediate circle of influence. That's your primary uh, responsibility are those people. And so we have to break this down. And I encourage you to, to think of it not as uh, the lost, Think of it not as the world, unchurched, this big generic terms, but these are people. They're individuals. They're people that Jesus died for. They're people that, that God loves. And they're, they're humans, and they're individuals. They're children of God. He loves them. He, he wants them. He wants them to become his children. And so we gave you a sheet to use as a tool, and I hope you're using that. And I hope you're filling in names of people that are in your sphere of influence. I just want to read a testimony real quick to you because I think this is really powerful. I'm not a gifted evangelist, not even a very skilled evangelist. But the Bible says do the work of an evangelist, and that's what I seek to do. It's not my forte to really uh, to, to go up to strangers and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Now, some people love doing that. Mark can do that, and he's good at it, and he gets good results from it. When some of us do it, it doesn't come out as well. 
But I want to learn. I, I believe I can learn. And so I'm telling Mark, you know, I need to hang out with you more. And I want us to go out. I want to learn how to do that better, right? And, and so I'm, I'm hoping to give most people in here, you're not that gifted in going up to complete strangers and just talking to them. But I'm hoping to give you some tools to be able to do this, okay? Some practical things you could do. And it's not that hard, actually. It's not that hard. You don't need to know a whole lot. So here's a testimony that we received. Um, I just got it a couple weeks ago. It says, good evening. And this came through an email. Good evening. My name is Lexi Morris, banker. I wanted to reach out and thank you. Around five years ago, I made the choice to move to Charleston, South Carolina after college. But I was at the gas station at Super Ron's, by Super Ron's. Someone walked up to me and asked if they could pray for me. I said, yes. While I don't remember their words, I remember how it made me feel. And after they, they handed me a card for your church, I still have this card, and I've kept it through the years. It has always reminded me of home and of the prayers that were prayed over me that day. In five years, I have made an amazing life in South Carolina, a life only God could have given me. I met a wonderful Christian man who is now my husband. I have been blessed with a huge support system. I have found two wonderful churches that have grown my faith more than I could ever have imagined. Tonight, I started packing for a trip home. My husband's mom and aunt are coming with us. It's their first time to Wisconsin. And I came upon the card again. I had to take a moment and write to you. Thank you for reaching out and caring for others. What you're doing makes a difference. That's awesome. I don't know who did this. But you know what? It didn't take a whole lot. They don't even know what they said. It didn't matter. And the devil has you thinking, you've got to have it all together. You've got to have the right words. You've got to be a Bible school student. You've got to have a sermon prepared. No, it was simply, can I pray for you? That's all it was. Can I pray for you? And let me tell you, even if people are at a negative six, they're going to appreciate the prayer. Very few people in my life have said, no, don't pray for me. Now, it's happened. I'm not going to say it hasn't happened. It has happened before. But I lived. I lived. They said, no, I don't want you to pray. I said, okay, well, wonderful. Well, have a good day. And my life went on. I'm not damaged from it. I don't need counseling or therapy because of it. I'm good. But nine times out of ten, this has been my experience. Someone who says, sure. I'm standing here pumping gas. I got nothing better to do. You've got a captive eyes. Their hands on the trigger. You know, you're, you're there. And simply saying, hey, can I pray for you? Right? It's actually not that hard <laughs> to reach the lost and, and to reach out to others. I want you to watch this video real quick, and I think this kind of capsulizes the need that we have here.
know you hear me. This is Edwards. What do you want? This is Edwards. I know I ask you this like every week, but would you like to ride to church with me? Oh, come on, Mrs. Edwards, you'll like my church. We have some hot music. It may not be what you're bumping at all, but it's hot. We get down. What do you say, Mrs. Edwards? Oh, I suppose. I've heard it said that 80% of first-time church visitors come because someone personally invited them. All people need to feel loved and wanted, and for some people, it just takes having someone offer to give them a ride to church. We have something great going on at this church. People's lives are being transformed by God's love. Your homework this week is to find at least one person who could use a little more of that love and invite them to come with you next week. Trust me, it's worth the extra effort. Mrs. Edwards, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. Not that hard, right? <clears throat> Just being persistent, inviting, you know, that, that's really all it takes. Let's look at some practical ways that you can reach your sphere of influence today. And uh, we're going to look at this scripture in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little, a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and they followed him. <clears throat> now this story is repeated in Mark chapter 1. It's in Matthew chapter 4. It's in John chapter 21. <clears throat> Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want you to say that with me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Of men. Now listen, Jesus chose these 12 men. They were fishermen. One was a tax collector. But not one of them was a religiously trained person. Not one of them had any training in religion. They did not have Bible school degrees <clears throat> or a background in this in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> Jesus simply said to people, <coughs> excuse me, 
<clears throat> said to people who were unqualified, untrained, he simply said, follow me. And they became the greatest changers of planet Earth. They became the greatest evangelists. They became the greatest soul winners the Earth has ever seen. And that gives me a lot of hope. Because Jesus wants you to be a soul winner. Jesus wants you to be a fisher of men. And I believe that we are setting up, we are, we are on the verge of becoming, we are, we're on the verge of a move of God where it's going to look like that. There's so much fish that our nets are going to break and we're going to have to call up other churches and say, listen, we can't, this is too much, come and help us. Come and help us with all the souls that are coming into the kingdom of God. I'm believing that in the last days you're going to see a great outpouring and a great move of the Spirit of God. And we're going to see this, and we need to be ready. And it starts with people like you and I. It doesn't start with great evangelists. This is not going to be based on a great evangelist and great speakers. It's going to be the people of God, people like you and I that are unqualified, ungifted, unprepared, maybe even unlearned, thank you, but are good servants, and we hear the voice of Jesus saying, follow me. Jesus wants to speak to you today and say, follow me. When you're at the gas station by Super Ron's, Jesus' voice wants to say, follow me. To impact this person who still has been impacted five years later, life has turned around, starting with someone who heard Jesus say, follow me. And he went and said, can I pray for you? I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to say, get ready to follow. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him. They were listening to the word of God. They were listening to the word of God. The number one thing you could do to follow Jesus is this. Draw them with the word. Draw them with the word. Men and women are drawn to the word of God. Whether you believe that or not, the Bible says so. Jesus drew crowds because he was preaching the word. He was the word. And people are drawn to the word of God. The word is powerful. So share the word. Witness with the word. Billy Graham, what I loved about him, remember Billy Graham, he would hold his Bible, right? He'd preach, he'd say, the Bible says, that was his, remember that? That's what he always said. The Bible says, because that's what's powerful. That is what's powerful, is the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not yet heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Jesus knew this, and so he preached the word. He gave the word to people. So listen, don't just tell people what you think. Your word is not powerful. My word is not powerful. God's word is powerful. God's word is life-changing. People don't care what I think. <laughs> it's not going to impact my opinion of whatever don't go on a Facebook rant to people you come across. Because actually, you know, listen, just hate to break this news to you. No one really cares what you're saying on Facebook. We just scroll right past your political viewpoint. It, I don't care. I don't care. 
But you give me the scripture, give me the word, and I care. Because that's what's powerful. That's what's, that's what, that's what's going to change lives. So give them the word. Say, well, how do I give the word? Give them a scripture. You don't need to give them a sermon. Listen, you can write on a card to a neighbor, a family member, a co-worker, right? You can write a note, take a verse, and write them a verse to encourage them. That'll, that'll be powerful because it's the word of God. Stand on the word when you have a need in your life. Tell everybody around you, I am believing for my lost kid to come back and I'm standing on this word. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved in your household. I'm standing on the word of God. You tell people, listen, I'm struggling with this back problem, this backache. I'm standing on the word of God. By his stripes, I am healed. And when you get healed, let the word of God declare it to them, right? Stand on the word. Stand on the scriptures with people. When you have someone who has a problem, somebody has a problem in their life, a co-worker, a family member, get a hold of the word of God and then together you stand on that promise with them and say, we're believing according to the word of God. And they'll say, well, I don't even believe in the Bible. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It's powerful. It's not powerful because they believe you or not or agree with you or not. It's powerful because it is the word of God and it has its power in and of itself. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let the word of God judge them. Don't you judge them. Let the word of God convict them. You don't convict them. That's not your job. Just give them the word. Give them the word. Any way you can get the word to people, and it'll be powerful. It will not return void. Isaiah 55, verse 11, So my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Speak his word and let the word of God do its powerful job. It doesn't have to be a lot. Is a simple word of the Lord, a simple scripture, a simple verse you can share with someone. Look it up online. Go on, you, you know, you're, so someone's going through a hard time. Someone's going through grief. They're going through a divorce. They're going through financial hardship. Go on the internet and look up, put in, type in a Google search. Scriptures to encourage someone having surgery. Scriptures to encourage someone going through a divorce. And you're going to get a whole list of scriptures. Grab one of them. <laughs> pray. Say, God, which one should I use? Write it on a card. Send it to your neighbor. Or better yet, make a basket for them. Make them a loaf of bread. Make them cookies, something. Put it in something, a plate with that scripture. Say, you know what? I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'm declaring this verse over your life. It's not that hard to be a soul winner, to be a fisher of men. What are you doing? You're fishing. You're putting your bait out there. You're casting it. <clears throat> You're throwing the net out there and seeing who will bite. Touch your neighbor and say, keep it simple. <clears throat> keep it sim Did someone say keep it simple, stupid? I think I heard that over there. 
Well, I thought that, but I didn't want to say it because I don't, wouldn't be appropriate, but leave it to my wife. <clears throat> so draw them with the word. And number two, rely on the Spirit leading. Rely on the Holy Spirit leading you. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to where you need to go, where you need to be. I don't know, but the person who was at that gas station by Super Run, by, at the BP, I'm assuming, I don't know, but that they didn't hear the Lord say, go to BP. And I've heard that before. I felt drawn there. Go talk to someone there. I've, I've done that before. You know, I'm listening. Sometimes I go to the store and I say, okay, God, who's here for me? What you got cooking here, Lord? <laughs> What's up? And for some reason, Home Depot, there's an anointing on Home Depot for, like, healing or something. I'm telling you, I just try to go buy a hammer, and there's all these, like, people in wheelchairs and, like, buying lumber. I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Like, you can't even carry it to your car. What's going on? But it's powerful, and there's always something to do at Home Depot. I don't know what it is with Home Depot, but something's going on there. Luke 5, 4 through 5, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, Lord. Because you're leading me too. Lord, you know I've gone to BP before looking for someone, and I, there's no one ever there who cares what I think. But Lord, because you say so, because I feel the Holy Spirit saying go. Now, I don't know the person, whoever you are, whoever did that, and whoever gave that invitation and gave that card and gave that prayer, you may have left thinking, well, there was that. You probably don't even remember you did it. Because you had no results. They probably didn't, they didn't break down crying and, oh, thank you so much. My life has changed. I received Jesus. They probably went, thanks. And you got in your car and drove away and thought, well, but you don't know what God will do with your obedience, right? Because you say so. Because you're leading me. Listen, we need to rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on his voice leading us to cast the net. Because gathering, gathering in and catching the fish is way too hard for me. And it's too hard for you to figure out. That's why I need Jesus to make me an effective fisher of souls. I need Jesus to do this for me. Acts chapter 8, 26 to 29. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an, an, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now listen, Philip is in the middle of a massive revival, if you read this, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in Samaria, there's a big revival going on in Samaria. I mean, demons coming out of people, salvation, healings, massive salvations, mass healings, mass deliverances. And in the midst of this revival, he hears an angel say to him, go south. That's all the angel said to him. Go south. He said, okay. 
So Philip went south. He doesn't know why he's going south. The Lord told me to go south. You might be hearing the Lord say, go to Super Ron's. Why would I go to Super Ron's? They don't even have good prices. Why would I go there? What's going on? <clears throat> that was bad. I shouldn't say that in public. I didn't. Sorry. I like Super Ron's. They have really good donuts. Really good store. I really like Super Ron's. Shop Super Ron's. <clears throat> They're good. Store. You heard that here. All right. But listen, you know, you're right. Why would I go there? Just go. Because the Lord said, that's what it would look like, right? This is what it would look like being led by the Spirit, is listening to the voice of the Lord. And you just feel this prompting. I think I'm going to go to Super Runs. Philip hears, just go south. Leave what you're comfortable with. Leave this fun environment and just head on south. And he does. He just goes. And he, he hears the Lord say, that chariot, go to that chariot. You go to Super Ron's parking lot, that car, go stand by that car. And he's led step by step. One act of obedience leads to another act of obedience, leads to another act of obedience. And as a result, this Ethiopian is saved. And history and tradition tells us that this man took the gospel back to Ethiopia. And the Ethiopian church today traces their, they trace it to this man. They trace their heritage. They trace the beginning to him who went back. And Ethiopia today, in, in the middle of North Africa, in the middle of the Muslim world, is a Christian nation because of his obedience. Simple obedience. Mark 16, 15 to 20. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by signs that accompanied it. Listen, we need to pray every day, God, make me, make me a fisher of souls. Make me a fisherman. Put your hands on your heart right now. Let's pray that right now. God, in Jesus' name, right now, Father, we pray. Lord, make me a fisher of souls. Lord, tell me how. Tell me when. Tell me where to cast the net each and every day. Put me on alert. Put me on assignment. Let me hear your voice speak to me, Lord, each and every day. Each and every day. What I get from Scripture, what I get from the New Testament is that, that the people totally relied on the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He said, these signs will follow you. They relied on two main tools here in this verse. They relied on the word of God, number one. And number two, they relied on the signs and wonders that God confirmed the word with. Everywhere they went, they went preaching the word. They went sharing the word. And everywhere the word went, signs and wonders followed. You see, there's a pattern in scripture. Look it up. Prove me wrong if you can. But everywhere the word goes in the New Testament, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. 
it always follows the preaching of the word. Let me just tell you right now, you begin sharing. You need to share the word of God with your neighbor, with your family, with your, with your loved ones. Don't rely on your skills to, to witness. Don't rely on your good words, but rely on the word of God. And Jesus promises us if we commit to speaking the word, he promises signs and wonders will follow you. He will confirm what you're saying to their heart and to their life. And I don't know if that means they're going to get healed. I think it could mean that. But it could also just be a confirmation in their heart even, a confirmation of the word of God in their own heart, like it did for this lady in our testimony who gave that testimony. Something was confirmed in her heart, and it made a difference in her life. When you see a sick person, tell them the word. Tell them the word. Tell them, by his stripes, you'll be healed. You tell them, the Bible commands me to lay my hands on you and you will recover. See, I don't have to sit there and wonder, oh God, is it your will to heal this person or kill this person? I don't have to do all that silliness because I am commanded by the word of God. You are commanded to find a sick person. You are never commanded in the scripture to pray for them to die. You're never commanded to say, oh, well, if it's your will, God, if your will be done, Lord, and die, kill them if you want to. That is never in Scripture. What Scripture says is, I am commanded to lay my hands on you, and you will recover. What God does is up to him. But my job is to believe until I put you in the ground, and I bury you because you can't get raised then from there. Even after you die, I'm going to, if I come to your, let me tell you what, if I come to the hospital and you have died, I'm going to put my hands on you and say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, raise them up. I am commanded in Scripture to do that. I'm the guy you want in your room. <laughs> you want me there. You don't want the person going, well, I don't know. Maybe they should die. Listen to me right now. I'm going on record. If that's you, do not come and visit me when I'm sick. You keep that to yourself. I want the person to come and say, no, you will not die. You shall live in Jesus' name. That's who I want to come. Who says, I'm going to lay my hands on the sick and they're going to get well. So you rely on the presence of God. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit because people are going to appreciate the prayer. They're going, to, they're going to receive the prayer. Give them the word and then start seeing the Lord confirm it with signs and wonders. Let him do it. Let him do it. And thirdly, you need to persevere in casting. You need to persevere in casting. Don't give up casting your nets. Don't give up. That man in the video didn't give up. He kept going after Mrs. Edwards and her bumping music. And he never gave up on her. Ask the person next to you, who's your Mrs. Edwards? Go ask him, who's your Mrs. Edwards? Because we all have one. And if you don't have one, you need to get one. A Mrs. Edwards or whoever it is that you have been asking and asking and asking and asking, and they say, nope, 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 nope. No, I have a headache. No, I got to work. No, I have this. No, I have that. Don't give up casting your net. Don't give up casting your net. Luke 5, 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. Perseverance requires a commitment to the master. He says, Master, I don't want to do it. I'm tired of doing it. I'm tired of old Mrs. Edwards and her nasty old music. I'm tired of this. I've gone already. How many times have I asked? And they keep saying, no, I'm not. I'm done. But master, you say so. So I'm doing it again. Perseverance requires a commitment to the master. Let me ask you this morning. Are you on a mission or are you on a volunteer assignment? Are you on mission or are you volunteering? Ask your neighbor, are you on a mission or are you volunteering? Because there's a big difference. There's a big difference between mission and volunteering. And it might come as a surprise to you that the word mission and missionary are nowhere in the Bible. These are not biblical terms. They're nowhere found in the scriptures. They're a Latin word. They got a Latin origin, and it comes from the word missio, and it means send. And the Greek, the root of this word is found in such words as, as missile and emissary. It's send it. It's a companion to the Greek word apostello, which is in the Bible, the, the apostle, the sent one. The most basic meaning of the word send is to order one to go to a place appointed is to order you to go to a place appointed jesus did not ask for volunteers jesus commissioned sent ones he put us on assignment to do his job he commissioned or sent out disciples Disciplined ones, followers who were disciplined. Volunteering is different. Volunteering is you do what you want to do until you don't want to do it anymore. That's a volunteer. <clears throat> you do what makes you feel good. You feel good about doing it, and other people show their appreciation for what you do. You don't want to do it anymore, you just, you just stop doing it. I'm not going to volunteer anymore. And we belong to a culture of volunteerism. And often we hear that that's one of the strengths of our society, is that whenever there's a need, whenever there's a project, there's a crisis, people are ready to step up, sign up, we're ready to volunteer. But when we talk about mission, we're not talking about volunteering, we're now talking about being sent, and there's a big difference between volunteering and being sent. To be on a mission is something different. To be on a mission, I can't not go. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. When I'm on a mission, it's doing something because someone in authority has ordered me to do it. Someone in authority, my master, someone has ordered me to accomplish a very important purpose and I know that someday I'm going to have to stand and give an account for it. It's very different. The issue isn't whether or not you love doing what you're doing. The issue is, do you love the one commanding you to go? 
Are you committed to the one commanding you to go? Our culture says, find what you like to do and do it. And then they'll add often, you know, and the money will follow, right? But the Christian mission is to find out what God wants you to do. Rely on his power. Rely on his ability. You rely on the Holy Spirit and you do it because he says so. The Christian mission is find what God is doing and you join him. What is God saying and you do it. You lead, you're led by where he's leading you. And if we lack this level of commitment, we're likely to give up before we see the results. Heard a story of a lady who prayed for her husband. For 56 years, she prayed for her husband. And after 56 years, her prayers finally, they finally prevailed. She didn't give up. Some of you have prayed for your spouses. You prayed for your spouses for several years. And there they are sitting by you in church today. Others of you are still praying. Don't give up. Do not give up. Because you say so, Lord, I'm going to cast my net again. You may need to walk the walk and talk the talk for many, many years in order to win that person to Christ. Here's what I want us to do this morning. And have our prayer team come on up line on up here and I'm going to ask you to come for prayer this morning here's what I'm asking you to do we want to pray for you for at least one person that you are that maybe you wrote on your list last week if you weren't here last week I'm sure there's someone on your heart there's someone on your heart who needs Jesus a loved one a co-worker a neighbor Maybe it's someone that you've cast your net over and over again and you are tired of casting your net. And you need to not give up today. You need to be encouraged. And we want to pray with you. So first of all, we're going to pray with you by name. You're going to say, I'm praying for my cousin Robert. And we're going to say in Jesus, and we're going to agree with you and pray with you by name. We're going to pray with you for Robert, that Robert will come to Christ. We're going to pray for you, that God will help you to be led to, to whoever this person is. That you're going, to be able to, you're going to be able to cast your net into their life again. And in, in the meantime, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need a breakthrough, you need any prayer at all, you let them know, I'm here also because I have this need in my life or I'm here because I have this need in my life and so we just invite you to come and receive this morning from the Lord